we want to dig into something this morning about uh, freedom. We've been talking about freedom, and uh, the only true freedom we can ever find is through Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can truly set you free. Every other uh, form of freedom is, is, is either temporary or incomplete or sometimes even an illusion. But the freedom that Jesus offers, he says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You're really, truly free. There's a big difference between feeling free and really being free. Jesus understood that there was a freedom that the people were not aware of. They thought their, they, they thought their issues had to do with just the government. They, had, they just had to do with the Romans, just had to do with uh, the, the, the social and political stuff they were dealing with. But Jesus said there's something much bigger at play. You're under bondage to something you're not even aware of, and it's way bigger and so that's, that's the reality today is I want you to know that there is freedom in Jesus Christ. You have access to that freedom. He died to give you that freedom. And so let's not, ta- let's not take it lightly. Let's dive fully into it. Today I want to talk to you about freedom from fear. Let's talk about being free from fear. And maybe when you think about that, you think, well, I am free from fear. Uh, because, you know, for a lot of us, uh, when we picture someone who's enslaved to fear, in bondage to fear, we think of someone who is so intensely um, uh, bound by fear that they, they, they can't leave their home or they're just, they're, you know, they can't sleep at night. We, talk, we think about someone that has very obvious symptoms. And while Jesus wants to, if that's your, your reality today, Jesus wants to set you truly free from that. But I want to broaden it because I think a lot of us deal with fear and don't know it or, or have allowed fear to be a, a part of our decision-making process and we're not aware of it. Remember last week we talked about how Jesus said, when they said, we are not slaves, we've never been enslaved to anyone. He says, whoever commits a sin to someone or commits a sin is a slave to the thing that that, that sin. Uh, uh, later on, Paul writes about whoever you serve, whoever you're obedient to, that's who you're a slave to. So whatever is causing you to make your decisions, whatever is guiding your life, whatever force uh, is either stopping you or propelling you, that's who you're serving. And if that's not the king of kings, if that's not Jesus, then you've got an issue and you need freedom. And, And listen, all of us, have to address that because on on this side of kingdom come, there will never be a day where you're not having to say, I'm resisting one thing, I'm submitting to another. There'll never be a day where you just just can put it on cruise control. You've got to know that this is a reality and there is freedom in Christ and his power is greater than any other power. You have to know that's your reality. I want to read you something that we touched on before, and it's in Hebrews chapter 2, and it says this, Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, since we, we share in our humanity, he himself, Jesus, likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might free those who through the fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. For he does not get, surely he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendant of Abraham. Now listen, we talked about that last week, how uh, Jesus took away the power that Satan had, that power to accuse you, that evidence he had in his hand was completely taken away. He has no power of death over you. And so today I want to challenge you with something. I want to ask you the question, 
Are you free from the fear of death? Now, as far as your status is concerned, absolutely you are. Jesus set you free. But now, are you walking in that freedom? You might say, well, I'm not afraid to die. I could die this day. My, my life could be taken from me this moment, and I'd be with Jesus. I'm looking forward to that. I have no fear. Thank God for that. You know, that's an awesome thing. That's an awesome assurance. I want to I actually give you an opportunity for greater freedom, though. Because a lot of times when we think of that fear of death, we think of that immediate, my heart stops beating, my lungs stop working, the, the death of the body. But I want you to consider that there are a lot of, of, of things that come out of that root. There are a lot of things that come out of that root of death that, that we may not think we fear, but it influences what we do and what we say. We fear the death of relationship. We fear the death of our status. We fear that, you know, we, we don't take the risks or, or, or live as freely as we think that God wants us to because of fear. And at the end of the day, that fear is rooted in the fear of death. When we really understand that Jesus took away the power of death, you can live a fearless, adventurous, risk-taking in Christ, um, um, full-out life that is not overcautious, that is not holding back, that is not um, hesitant. Because the Bible says we are not of those that draw back to the destruction of the soul or to destruction. We are those that press forward by faith to the salvation of the soul. So we're not the type of people. We don't come from the type of people that draw back. When do you draw back? You draw back when you're afraid. You draw back when you encounter the unknown, the unexpected. You draw back when something causes you to hesitate. And he says, that's not where you come from. And of course, Right after that verse, he goes on in Hebrews chapter 11 and and lists all these great men and women of faith and how by faith they did what seemed like insane things, but they did what God called them to do. That's what you're called to do. God's got a purpose for you in your generation. God's got a purpose for you in your lifetime for you to fulfill and it's, there's nothing safe about it. It's safe in the sense that as long as we're in him, what do we have to be afraid of? But if the, if, by the world's definition, it's not safe. It is an adventurous life. It is a life of trusting God because a life of faith is really putting weight on an invisible thing or an invisible God. It's, it's putting a, a trust in someone that you can't see and that you can't predict. It's putting trust and a good God and a powerful God. That's the life that he's called you to. It's a faith-filled life, and it's an exciting life, but it is a life that if you didn't have Jesus, you'd be terrified. You'd never go that far. So I want to just put that out to you. Whether we know it or not, we draw back when we should be pressing forward. We hesitate when we should be running. We, we avoid things that, that, that we see as unsafe even even if it's something that's not physically unsafe we avoid danger because of the unknown but if you like abraham are so sure of who he is that the bible says in hebrews 11 by faith abraham set out not knowing where he was going he didn't know where he was going but he knew 
who he was following. He was not sure of the where, the what, the when, but he was sure of the who. And if you know the who that you're following to, all the other W's will fall in line as long as you know the who. The who matters, not the band, obviously God. And so I want to put some stuff out today that's going to challenge you a bit. I know that we all expect to be challenged, but you know, I, I want to put this out to you. You may get triggered today. You may get a little, uh, have an opportunity for offense. I urge you not to let yourself be offended for we're just going to talk from the word of God. But if you are opening your heart to the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit's work in you is to transform, is to cut out what shouldn't be there, to do the, his surgery and take out what's poisonous in your life and to create in your life what should be there, to correct, to change. So that means change is uncomfortable. It's, it's, not, it's not cruise control. It's change. It's transformation. And sometimes that can be offensive because you don't change if you think you're doing everything right. You change when you realize that there's higher. There's a higher place to go or, or, or there's stuff in my life that doesn't need to be there. And we live in a culture that's uh, very passive aggressive. We don't like to be confronted. We are very confrontational, but we don't like to be confronted. And so, you know, we talked about this at the beginning of the whole COVID situation. We talked about fear and, and we talked about the story of Jairus, how Jesus looked at him and said, stop being afraid, only believe. Don't be afraid anymore, only believe. And how scandalous that is to our ears today. And you know how many times in the Bible God says directly to someone, fear not, don't be afraid, stop being afraid. In our culture to say that is insensitive, it's seen as not constructive, it's seen as damaging, it's a, you know, all of these things. If, if you were to just say to someone, don't be afraid, stop being afraid, then people say, you, you can't fix anything with that attitude. You're, 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 you're blaming someone for their fear, but that's not what God's doing. He is giving you the way out of fear. And if you realize that everything, everything that's kept you from fully walking in the full out plan of God, everything that's, there's only one real thing that's kept you from walking. It's not other people. It's not even the devil. The biggest thing that's kept you out of walking in the fullness of what God has for you is fear. We pull back. You know, there's nothing wrong with waiting. God will tell you to wait. There's nothing wrong with patience. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit. There's nothing wrong with saying this isn't the time. God will tell you the right time. But I know from my life, there's been plenty of times that God was saying yes, and I was at best saying maybe, and most likely saying no. When Jesus confronted people with their fear, it, was, it would be very offensive to our ears. I, I'm reminded of the story in Mark chapter 4. You remember when, when they're struggling at, at the waves, they're, they're having an issue. With, there's a, a fierce gale, the Bible says, an, an incredible storm. And Jesus is asleep in the boat. He's sleeping in the boat. He's not worried. He's not in terror. He's sleeping. And in Mark chapter 4, here's what happens. It says, Jesus himself was in the stern. This is verse 38. Asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? 
And he got up and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, hush, be still. And the wind died down and became perfectly calm. And he said to them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they became very much afraid and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Listen, if, if I said that today, and, and believe me, there's times where you have to say things like this. If I were to say to most people today, why are you afraid? Why don't you have faith? I, Christians and unbelievers alike would come after me. There's, there's, there's a ton of people that would be offended by that. We're so offended that someone would say that there's something we could do about this, that, that there's something we could change. And, and especially when you use the word faith, oh, people are very sensitive about that. I realize that, that sometimes people get in the ditch and, and I know I've had people say, well, you have problems in your life? Are you having struggles? Where's your faith? Listen, battles in your life, struggles, fights, that's not proof of a lack of faith. In fact, a lot of times that's proof of a life of faith. Faith-filled people all throughout the scripture had to fight battles, had to, had to go against big giants. There's nothing about that, that that means you have no faith. But Jesus diagnosed the problem correctly here. He said, why are you so afraid? Why don't you have faith? And the reason he says that is not to condemn them, but rather to say, listen, if, if the answer to your problem, the solution to your fear is not to try not to be afraid. The solution to your fear is faith. In other words, the solution to your fear is to trust me, is to trust God, is, is to believe that I sent you to the other side. And if I sent you to the other side, you're going to get to the other side. Even if you yourselves have to say to the wind and the waves, be still, because listen, I sent you in my name. So if you still the wind and the waves in my name, they will be still. Listen, their fear, Jesus didn't coddle them. He didn't, he didn't baby them. He directly addressed it. I want to ask you today, would Jesus be able to say that to you? Would Jesus be able to say that to you? Answer that question. Now, I'm going to ask you another one. Would Jesus be able to say that to you through someone else? Ooh, it just got harder right? Because if Jesus were to appear to us in a vision, or we heard it clearly from God, then there's no embarrassment. There's no uh, 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 problem with a person that we have to deal with. There's no relationship issues that we have to process. If Jesus were to say it, then we can almost take credit for hearing it, right? Like the Lord spoke to me and this is what he said. We sound spiritual when we do that. So it's real easy. Listen, when God corrects me directly, I love it because then I can say, you know, the Lord really, really dealt with me about this issue. Uh, the, Lord's, the Lord's been really working on my heart. I sound great. But if God uses someone else to bring that much needed correction, I have to deal with my own ego, the pride, the, 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 the uh, relationship dynamics. I have to deal with someone thinking that they have the right to speak to me that way, there's a whole lot of stuff you have to deal with. But let me tell you, if, if I'm reading the Bible correctly, then I then you have I, I see it over and over again that God uses people to minister to people. He does it with healing. He does it with the gospel. He does it with deliverance. And, and I believe he will do it with truth. Because listen, there's a lot of times that we have created a filter for what we can hear from God. And the reason that God hasn't spoke to you directly about some things is because you can't hear it. 
you won't hear it. And so sometimes the best thing he can do, and often his first, his first choice is to send a person because God wants to use people in our lives. And so could somebody say to you, why are you afraid? Where's your faith? Could they say that to you? In our current culture, listen, you are not called to be trained by your culture. You are not called to let the culture define who you are. Our culture is, is, is easily offended. Our culture is uncorrectable. Our culture is, is in many ways unteachable unless it's what we want to be taught. And so we have to say, I'm not going to let the culture train me on how I hear from God, how I'm how I'm loved because our culture doesn't have a solution for correction. There is no correction in love. Listen, we've said this before, but, but our world without Jesus, the world can't deal with sin. If you can't deal with sin, then all you can do, you can't take away the sin because only the Lamb of God can take away the sin of the world. So all we can do is sit around the table and move it around and, and, and push that sin. That's on your plate. You did that. Or I don't know. We, we blame one another. We accuse one another. We are really good at accusing. We're not good at edifying in this culture. So you have to come out of the culture and come into the kingdom and begin to learn how love works. Love does not reject when it corrects. Love doesn't say, this needs to change, and so I don't want anything to do with you. Love actually says, I'm embracing you. I'm in your life. I want to help you. And the Bible says to speak the truth in love. So can someone speak truth to you even when it might imply that there's something you need to change or there's something lacking in your life? Jesus didn't say, where's your faith? Because he was frustrated. He's saying it because he wants to build their faith. Because as, they build, as he builds their faith, they'll be able to deal with that fear. Because fear is really, it, it's powerless in, in its essence. By itself, fear is powerless, but it influences your decisions. And so what you need to deal with fear is not somebody telling you just, well, I mean, just deal with the fear. Just try not to think about it. Because let me tell you something, a lot of times the answer is not dealing with the fear, the answer is dealing with our faith. I'll say that again, a lot of times our solution is not to deal with the fear, our solution needs to be to deal with the faith. Because a lot of times fear is just faith in the wrong things. Fear is faith in the strength of that giant more than faith in the strength of your God. Fear is faith in the power of the storm rather than the power of Jesus. Fear is, is, is faith in, 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 in your inability or ability rather than in God's ability working through you. And so a lot of times it's not the monster you got to deal with. You have to address, is there something bigger than the monster? It's not the problem. That's the problem. It's your solution. And so Jesus says, here's the solution. Where's your faith? And like I said, for a lot of us, canceled. You can't talk to me like that. You're saying this is my fault? You're victim blaming me? You're, you're, you're claiming that, this, that my fear is my problem? It's not nearly, nearly that accusatory. It's just saying, guys, there's a solution to this. And it is faith. You got to trust me. You see, Jesus was not raising wimps. He was raising people that in themselves were weak and fragile and, and, and unable to carry out the call of God, like all of us are, but through him would be mighty 
and preach the gospel to nations and face death with a, with a, with a, a, a strong and fearless stance. These people went to violent deaths without turning back because Jesus had prepared them. He discipled them. He trained them and he filled them with the Spirit of God. I got to tell you, we've talked about this before, but how they dealt with fear was by, by believing something greater. You know, the, 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 we have to believe in the love of God. What, what does the Bible say about the fear of judgment? It says that, or the fear of punishment. It says that perfect love Cast out all fear. When you have a greater revelation of the love of God than of the condemnation and the accusation of the devil, the love of God will set you free from the fear of punishment, from the fear of judgment. Our world is full of the fear of those things. Perfect love, cast that out. What did Jesus say? It is faith. You need faith. That's your issue right now. Your, your, your fear is not is not coming out of a vacuum. It's the, the fear is, the, the issue is, is that your fear is manifesting because there is no faith. Where there should be faith, you, you just have faith in the storm instead of faith in me. I want you to be able to hear that. Listen, uh, can we be confronted with truth? Uh, when we talk about freedom, freedom, uh, in order to, to, to be free, you have to be willing to be confronted with the reality of slavery. Now, I know even that word is a, is a tough word to hear because in our modern context, we think of slavery in a very North American modern way. We think mostly of, of 19th, 18th century dynamics, especially in the United States. But listen, slavery is as old as humanity, and, and, and the Bible is full of, of, of examples, uh, especially in the New Testament, where the Roman Empire was built on slaves. The Roman Empire was, was entirely, their entire economy was built on slaves. Everywhere they conquered, it was like a Ponzi scheme. They had to keep conquering so that they could keep getting slaves to fund the conquering. And so uh, the empire was full of slavery. And that's the language that's used in the New Testament. Jesus uses it all the time. Paul uses it. There's uh, the writer of Hebrews, whoever that is. There's a lot of emphasis on, on, on slavery and how to be free. And so I want you to know that slavery is not defined to one era. Slavery is a human condition. Slavery is when something's controlling you that should not be controlling you. And in many of our lives, it's that fear. I want you to know there's a way out of that. But you have to be confronted. If you're not yet free, you have to be confronted with the fact that you're not free so that you can be free. You remember we talked about John 8 and that discussion that Jesus had with them about being truly free? Uh, you know, when they said, well, we, we've never been enslaved, we've always been free. You know, I used to always read that and think of it as Jesus' argument with the Pharisees. Jesus' argument with the religious leaders. But do you know, John 8 starts out by saying, so Jesus was telling the Jews that believed in him if you want to be free, continue in my word. You'll truly be free. You'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. And they responded, we've always been free. That conversation spirals out of control to the point where they accuse Jesus of having a demon. They accuse him with some racism and call him a Samaritan. They accuse his mom of having him out of fornication. They throw all of this and he's telling them, your dad is the devil. That conversation went, whoa, way off, way 
way out of control. I mean, it seems to like, how did this escalate? And we think that Jesus is talking to his enemies, but he's actually talking to people that believed in him. But he starts out by saying, if you're truly going to be my disciples, then you need to continue in my word and you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. He's saying, my disciples need to be free and I've got the way for you to be free, but they wouldn't hear it because it insulted their pride. It insulted their ego. In the same way, the Holy Spirit is speaking to some of you today and telling you, I want you to be free from fear. I want fear not to have the control over your life anymore. I don't want you making decisions out of fear of people or fear of, of the consequences of this. I want you to be free to serve the Lord, but something's still holding you back. And so when God says to you, you're, you still need some freedom. There, there's areas I want to free you from. You have to be willing to hear that without being offended. You have to be willing to see it and go, thank God. Yes, please. I want to be free. That conversation that I talked about at John 8 with the people that believed in him ended with him them picking up rocks trying to stone him to death, and Jesus hid himself and left the temple. Can you imagine? Those were not enemies of his. Those were people that liked him. So let me tell you something. Hebrews says, if you are a true child of God, he's going to correct you. He's going to discipline you. If you're not being disciplined, you're not a real, you're not a legitimate kid. Here's what he's saying. All of us, all of us, need to be confronted with the reality of what Jesus did so that we can be free. In order to be free, you have to know what's got you bound. You have to know what's controlling you. And I have to tell you, I have had too many times in my life where I have not done the will of God because of fear. The Bible says it's the fear of people is a trap, but the fear of the Lord exalts somebody. It lifts them up. Fear of God will lift you up, but the fear of people is a trap. It's a snare. It will keep trapping you in your life. How do I get free from it? You know, how many times did God say, fear not, fear not, fear not? But he didn't just say, fear not. How many times did God say, fear not, because of this. Fear not for the Lord is with you. Fear not for I will never leave you or forsake you. Uh, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I be afraid of? God doesn't just tell you to stop being afraid. He tells you what to believe because your issue is not really the fear. It's not really the fear that you need to deal with directly. That needs to be dealt with. But the way to deal with it is to deal with what do I believe? What's bigger to me? Remember when God spoke to Joshua and God was preparing him how many times did he say be strong and be very courageous don't be afraid of them he says don't tremble don't don't let them shake you don't let them shake you up and here's why for I'll be with you wherever you go I will never leave you you're gonna be with me and you'll and as long as you are with me you're good uh, David writes in Psalm 23 that the Lord is my shepherd I, I'm not I have no lack and then he says even uh, though I uh, even even he leads me uh, uh, through through all of these paths for his namesake and and he talks about Psalm 23 Psalm 91 same themes but he says here when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death in Psalm 23. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I'm not going to be anxious. I'm not going to be depressed. Listen, we live in a world full of anxiety. 
Can I just put this out to you that, no, that, that fear has been an issue since sin came into the world and we haven't fixed it. We have eliminated diseases. We have solved crises. Well, that's debatable, but, but we believe we have, but nobody's dealt with fear. Listen, we live in, a, in an age right now where, where this current generation deals more with anxiety and fear and depression than, than almost than, than any generation in, in, in recent history. Because, and, and you say we have more science, we have more uh, um, experts in the field. God knows we've got medication. Whether you think that's a good idea or not, it's a different issue, but we've got solutions that the world's offering and it hasn't even come close to fixing the problem. So are we really looking to the world to fix this? If the world can't fix it, you need to stop accepting the world's way. You need to stop accepting their worldview. You need to start believing God. And it's the same truth that's been helping men and women for millennia. It's the same truth that overcomes fear, which is a knowledge of who God is, a knowledge of his love, a knowledge of his goodness, a knowledge of his power, a knowledge of who you are. Jesus set you free from the dominance, from the tyranny of death and the fear of it. You know, he says, God has not given you the spirit of fear or intimidation. You know, when Paul said that, he talks to Timothy. Very, Timothy is a young minister, and he talks to him very frankly about the fact that Timothy has not stepped into all his giftings. Timothy has not stirred up the gift of God within him. He's, Paul reminds him, like, you have stuff in you, Tim. You have stuff in you. I was there when the prophetic word came on your life, and why isn't this happening? And, and, he, and he goes down, and he talks to him about people intimidating him because he's young or, 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 or because, you know, whatever, they're, they're standing out of jealousy. And Paul has to deal with it and say, you know, you need to stir these gifts up because God has not given you the spirit of intimidation but of love and of power and of a sound mind. So listen, that love and that power has to be stronger to you than the intimidation of people. It's, the issue is not just saying, well, I won't be afraid of people. That's a good start. But you have to say, what is compelling me? If fear is not compelling me, what is compelling me? Is love compelling me? Is faith compelling me? Is God's voice the thing that's leading me and guiding me and pushing me? You've got to say, what's bigger in this situation? The issue is not just trying not to be afraid. It's looking in the eyes of Jesus, just like Jairus had to do when his daughter was dead. His daughter was dead, and Jesus seemed to be taking his sweet time. And Jesus looks at him in the eye when he hears, first hears the news that your daughter's no longer just on her death, deathbed. She is actually dead. And he freaks out, and he panics, and Jesus looks at him and says, Jairus, look at me. Don't be afraid anymore. Just believe. I want you to know that our world sees that as simplistic. Just believe. We see that as, as overly simplistic, but let me tell you something. Human nature has not changed in 2,000 years. That same fear grips humanity. That fear of death, that fear of loss, that fear of whatever has still have a, has a hold on us. Look around you. People haven't stopped being afraid. And Jesus' answer to you is the same as his answer to Jairus, Look at me. Don't be afraid. Just believe. What's he saying? You got to believe that I'm bigger than death. You got to believe that I'm bigger than the news you just heard. And I will tell you something. 
you'll know what you're being controlled by. It's very simple. I know this is going to sound obvious. You know what's controlling you if you just look at your actions. Not just your thoughts, but your actions. Because, you know, we just read last week how the Bible says, whatever you're doing, that's who you're obeying. So if I want to know if fear has got a grip on me, how many decisions have I made where fear was a big factor? Growing up, I just got to tell you, there were two things. I was a cautious, overthinking kid at times. I loved adventure, but I was also very cautious, and I overthought things. And, you know, I wanted to go on the big roller coaster. I wanted to go on the big slide, but I learned two tricks. Two tricks that helped me go on the big roller coaster and the big slide. Number one, go quick. Don't sit there and think about it too much. When you get to the top, listen, you get, you know, West Edmonton Mall, World Water Park, and you're on that skyscraper, and you get over to the top of the slide, now they've got a capsule. You stand in and the bottom just drops out of it. But when I was a kid, you would actually just get to the edge of the slide. You'd look at your toes sticking up in the air, and you see nothing. There's no slide. You don't see the slide. You just see air. You're just going to drop straight. And that is a terrifying feeling, but I learned this. Make yourself go, don't wait, just obey, just do it. And if you just do it, you'll find out that you're fine. But if the longer I hesitated, the more fear built up in me. And the second trick I learned was to just to go with somebody. When I would go with my dad on that roller coaster I was afraid of, I wasn't afraid, I was with him. How much more should you not be afraid when you're aware you're with the creator of the universe? David said, who are we? Who is this giant to talk to us like this? To talk to the armies of high Elohim, to talk to the armies of the living mighty God. Who's that guy? David's awareness of God with him was bigger than the awareness of the giant in front of him. You've got to let the awareness of God with you be bigger than the enemy in front of you. Jesus said, I'm in the boat. What are you afraid of? Where's your faith? This is the issue. Who's with me? How many times did God say, Joshua, David, all these people, don't be afraid because I'm with you. I'm with you. That's the answer. It's to focus on something bigger. The answer is not some magic mantra. The answer is not trying not to think about it. The answer is not to just, just to try to distract yourself. Fear does not need to be avoided. It does not need to be denied or distracted from. It needs to be confronted with bigger truth. It needs to be confronted with a bigger truth. You can't be reasoned out of fear. You can't be logically, there is nothing logical about fear. Fear brings you to an illogical space. So you can't argue someone out of fear. What needs to happen is you need by the spirit of God to be aware of something bigger. And the third thing I've learned is whenever I'm afraid, not only do I speak the word of God, the word of God brings faith, right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So I speak the word of God, I build myself up. Uh, the, the Bible tells us in Jude that there are two things, three things you need to do when, when, in the last days when all this stuff is swirling around. It says, it says uh, but all of this is happening. You beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God. So the things I do, 
speak the word to myself. I pray in the Holy Spirit. Boy, I can't tell you how many things that's got me through. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible says when you pray in the Spirit, your mind becomes unfruitful. Your mind has the capacity to run away with itself, to build a little fear into a giant fear until it's it's just insurmountable. And what you need to do is get control over your brain. And the two ways I know to do that is number one, for, for me to get back to the Word because the Word will renew my mind. And number two, to pray in the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will reign in my mind. It brings the Spirit back in control. And number three, what I need to do is to keep myself in the love of God. If you'll do that, there is nothing that's stronger. I want to close with this psalm. It's Psalm 127. I don't want you to hear it over you, and I want you to believe it. Sorry, not Psalm 127, Psalm 27. The Lord is my light. If you feel like you're in darkness, the Lord is my light and my salvation, my deliverance, my rescue. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host, a giant army, encamps against me, my heart will not fear. The war rise against me. In spite of this, I shall be confident, or the literal Hebrew says, I shall trust. One thing I've asked from the Lord, and that I shall seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. For in the day of trouble, a day of trouble is not just one day. It is a season in your life where everything seems to be going wrong. In the day of trouble, listen to this. In the day of trouble, he will conceal me, hide me in his tabernacle, in his presence. In the secret place of his tent, He will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock. And now my head will be lifted up above my enemies around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. You ever feel like you're just surrounded by trouble? What you need is for God to lift you up like you did your your little kids and just stick you on a rock and say, look above their heads. Can you see above their heads? The biggest anxiety and stress in my life is when I can't see past my trouble, when I can't see past the enemies around me. And when God lifts you up and says, look beyond it, only he can do that. David's answer to trouble was to seek the presence of God. If I've said anything today, it's this truth. Being aware of him more than you're aware of anything else will dispel fear, perfect love will cast out fear, being aware of his perfect love, being aware of his presence, being aware of his strength, being aware of his truth. All of these things will begin to set you free in a radical way. Let me tell you, all of us need to take one step further in freedom. And all of us need to take one step further in setting someone else free. So today, make this your commitment. I'm gonna go one step further in freedom. One step further today. And if you take another step tomorrow and another step after that, then praise the Lord. But today, no matter who you are, commit to this. I'm taking one step further into faith and out of fear and you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free let's pray together
Father, we thank you for your truth. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your, your loving kindness that is forever. It is abiding. So today we choose to believe you above all things. Lord, make yourself big in our lives. We would see you. We would know you. We'd be aware of you. Fill us with your spirit so that boldness will take the place of fear. And Jesus, I pray that as you lead us and guide us into unknown places, we would not hesitate or draw back, but we would press forward in faith. Lord, help us to be a help to others, to speak the truth in love without condemning, without rejecting, without accusing, but instead, Lord, use us to bring freedom to one another and open up our hearts to our brothers and sisters that you can use them in our lives and you can use us in theirs. In Jesus' name, amen.